Welcome to episode seven of the Portrait Persona podcast. Emily, how's it going? It is going great. It's a beautiful day. The sky is blue and I have some fresh lilacs to my right from our mother's garden. So what more do you need? Fresh flowers and blue sky. I need art, particularly the context and art of the posts uh, from last year. (laughs) Who are we talking about today? (laughs) So today we are discussing the portrait called Veronica Veronese by the artist Dante Gabriel Rossetti. It was made in 1872 and is currently part of the Delaware Art Museum's collection. All righty. So I think we kind of talked about this in last week's teaser, and maybe I'm reading this wrong. Was the prop the thing that drew you to this picture? It Well, yes and no. At this point, I think last week I mentioned I started using the wigs as a way to rotate through. So it was the, uh, the red wig's turn. So I knew I needed to do something with red and dad unearthed my violin from the furnace room because I had lofty goals of playing violin again during quarantine. Seemed like a good time to do that. So he had unearthed my violin a few weeks prior. I didn't necessarily think I should use this for one of my portrait recreations, but I just happened to find, and again, I also was trying to, although not always able to find women with blue eyes. So blue-eyed, redhead. And one of the first ones I thought of was Rossetti. And then the violin just kind of made me think how fun it would be to incorporate my neglected instrument from my youth. Did you play it at all? I Well, I did tune it. (laughs) So I, I got it out and I actually posted a little clip of me plucking the strings So even though I had not played violin since senior year of high school, so that would have been about 15 years ago, I played violin from fourth grade to 12th grade. So eight years of that, you still remember muscle memory, ear memory, some of it. And I just, after all these years, I felt it it deserved to be tuned, if not played. So I thought I would give it a little TLC in that regard. And um, (laughs) I think maybe I did a few notes here and there just for fun. So we have a lot going on in this one, as opposed to last week was pretty minimalistic. So we have the wig, the costume, the backdrop. Let's start with the wig. What in particular, because it's the Lucy wig and I don't see any curls. What'd you have to do this time? And also this is the zoomed in version of this painting. It has even more going on outside of the area I cropped, which I'll get into momentarily. So this is the Lucy wig. I did have to kind of use the curling iron again on like a a lower setting to kind of straighten some of the curls back out. I did this sort of updo, which I posted pictures of as well, because I was very proud of the kind of like Victorian-ish updo that I did to get that similar look. She has the hair kind of parted down the center, kind of like loosely framing her face. And then there's parts of her hair around like the crown of her head that just look like like a roll of hair, for lack of a better word, almost like it was loosely twisted to just frame her face. So I tried to incorporate the twist and the loose updo. So that that did take a minute. And I was pretty proud with the results after it having done the kind of 40s, 50s, like pin curl look for the other one. Do I just not recognize this outfit? What is, is this just some of your clothes? Yeah, so this, and I did not acquire anything for this. I had everything I needed. So I am wearing a green shirt 
and just a shirt I had that happened to have flowy sleeves. So it kind of like complemented, like she's wearing probably like a velvet fancy dress with big puff sleeves. So obviously I don't have puff sleeves, but the sleeves on this shirt are flowy. So it got a similar effect and the color was right. And then I wore one of my cream cover-up sweaters under it to get that peak of looks like she has a trim of ivory around hers as well. So I just wanted to get the color correct, even if the actual look of it wasn't the same. And then I noticed she's wearing like a silver necklace. And so I had a silver necklace, again, not the same, but similar effect. So I put that on. And then behind me, I hung up one of my pashminas. Like, so behind her, it looks like very thick, like damask drapery or curtains. The color of my pashmina is not quite similar, but it was close enough with like an ornate pattern that it that it got the vibe of the original one. And when after I posted this, I get so annoyed because I notice on the right or on my right, but looking at it on the left, there's like a tiny strip of gray wall. And I noticed that like a week later when I went to post the next one, because I really try and crop it carefully so that see that like tiny strip of gray wall. I just cropped it. I didn't crop it quite enough. So that's funny when you look back and you're just like so in the moment of being happy because actually setting up this shot was like extremely tricky. And by the end, I was pulling my hair out and pulling my wig out. So I think I just didn't even notice the strip of gray. I did hang up the pashmina. And I have the behind the scenes that it's just hung it on the wall, just straight up and down. It looked good, even with the strip of gray wall showing. And it looked like the violin was playing along. Like you didn't need, is it just leaning or did you take it? Oh my God, the violin was also a nightmare. So um, (laughs) this was again before I had a tripod. Oh my God. So I had... A chair next to me. So normally in this corner, I have this little like half moon ottoman thing, like large enough for sitting. And I had to move that out of the way. And I put one of my just kitchen table chairs, just like a straight back chair. So I put that against the corner and then I used a board game and I put that on the chair so that the violin could lean against something on the chair. So the chair gave it the right height, but then I needed something on the chair that was sturdy enough for the violin to lean against. And so I covered the chair and the board game with a gold pashmina that I had just so that it wasn't like obviously leaning against a board game because that was just the best color I could find that seemed neutral. So I have the violin and by the way, it it fell over multiple times. Like it kept like sliding over because, you know, violins are very highly polished against the like soft pashmina fabric. So I had to like very carefully prop it against this board game and then very carefully prop the violin bow. In the picture, she's holding the violin bow. But again, this was before I had the tripod. So I could only, I had to position my one hand on the strings And then the other hand had to like do the long arm selfie. So this is where, you know, I look back and I'm like impressed with my past self. So I just had to let the the bow be leaning against the violin. So I had that set up and then, oh man. So I got the setup and I actually was really, really bogged down by two things, her facial expression and her hand. 
And when I share a little bit more in a few minutes about the background of this painting that might've helped me actually, which I, I didn't refresh my memory on it and perhaps I should. To me, she just looked kind of like bored or I wrote like ennui, just kind of like, you know, an elegant boredom. I had to figure out where to look with my eyes, how to tilt my head just so, have my mouth kind of downturned, but not sad or angry. So I spent a long time trying to get the face right. Then this was the first time I think I got over not worrying about what color my nails were. I just had to let the blue nails show. I even, I was like, should I take the nail polish off? But I, I just painted them a couple of days before. I was like, no, that's ridiculous. I love my nails. So there was really no way. I tried several times for the, the blue nails to be like less noticeable, but then it didn't get that like kind of almost claw looking hand she has. And, but so she has this like claw resting on the strings. And so it was impossible to avoid the blue nails. And I, I actually like that now. I think it's just a fun reminder that I am living in the 2020s. So I, I like the nails now. During all of that, I tried, I did try to prop my phone. Now what I do is I have a chair that I have the kind of tripod with like the bendy legs. So I'll like wrap the legs around the top of one of my kitchen chairs, and then it's just facing me. So what I tried to do was I had a chair and I propped pillows on it to try and have the phone propped against a pillow. I did try to do that, but the lighting and cropping, it just wasn't working. And so I do have some B-roll of that where I was able to hold the bowstring, but then it was just showing too much of the weird chair board game setup. So that wasn't working. So I just had to go back to the long arm selfie. So this had a lot of trial and error, but I was, I'm actually really happy with the end result of this one, apart from the gray sliver of wall. So this one was fun to do. The makeup was very minimal, just the like red lips, but not too red, a little mascara. It is a fun step up from the previous week where it was mostly just about like getting the right head tilt. Absolutely. That was so simple by comparison. I mean, although I did have to like sculpt the wig, but this was one where it was so prop heavy and kind of like, I didn't make like a set for lack of a better word. <laughs> so it did require a lot of effort. It's definitely worth it. it. It is cool. I like the, was the claw, I guess my final question about the photo before we get into the history, like the claw shape, did it also make it difficult because you really can't steady the violin with that claw? Was that like another issue or? That was an issue that was like, so if I pressed too hard, the violin would fall over and I wanted to get like the right, her hand, it's just so prominent. And also it's like one of those things is like impossible. Artists can make hands do things that can't be done in real life. Even just looking at it now, most of her fingers are next to the string, but somehow look there in between this, like they're in between the strings was just a weird hand. I had to be very feather light with my touch. Otherwise the violin would fall over. And then in the process, it would drag the pashmina down. Then I have to reset the whole thing. And oh, oh my goodness. Video. Reset the stage. Reset yes. the stage. Like, ah! <laughs> Where was my stage hand? Nope, that's just me. That's why you need to get an intern. You need to trick someone <laughs> to become your intern. I need an intern. I need an intern. Get us some coffee. Hold this violin. 
this was one of the first ones, like I'm not doing this for public notoriety, but um, this is one of the first ones where I got some comments from people I didn't know. Like, you make a beautiful Lizzie Siddall. And I know that is in a moment. So I was like, oh, wow. Someone who knows art history thinks I did a good job. And someone else wrote, good expression match. I was like, thank you. Final real question about your process. And I guess this spoils a little bit of when you're going to talk about the full painting, which I have now Googled. Consider you're working with that Instagram square. Have you ever been like, oh, cool, I can crop out all of this nonsense and that makes this project doable? Cropping is a factor in a few I've done because (laughs) when you see the zoom out, it already looks kind of like a painting with a lot going on. But then when you zoom out, there's so much going on. So cropping allows me. So you didn't need a bird? Right, there's a bird, there's a birdcage. There's a lot going on. In this painting. With the painting itself, what's the what's the deal? Rossetti spent most of his life in London, but his parents were, his father was Italian and he was an Italian political refugee. His mother was half Italian, half English. So that's, you know, Rossetti, very Italian name, even though he lived his life in England, born in London, died in Kent, 1828 to 1882 were his life dates. In addition to being a painter, he also was a poet He had all sorts of side projects. He contributed to magazines. He was largely responsible for a magazine called The Germ, which is just the best name ever. He founded a social club. So he was involved in all sorts of pursuits, but he's most well-known for establishing, along with two other artists, William Holman Hunt and J.E. Millay, the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood. So that was an art movement that thought art before Raphael, which was, I guess, like high Renaissance ideals were kind of dictating the tastes of art in London at the time. So they thought anything before Raphael was better. They liked to go to nature. They wanted to think about religious subjects, subjects from literature, poetry. And they really wanted to focus on realism, not just in form, but in topic. So they sometimes explored social problems of the modern day. They thought a lot about love and death. So they they just wanted to get real, basically. And they weren't super popular at first, but then they became highly influential in the art scene in the mid-1800s in England. There are some artists who, when you see their work, you know it's theirs because of their muse, for lack of a better word. They're just, even if it's not the same woman or the same model, they might like morph the face. It just has a particular look. So if you look up Rossetti's portraits, it just looks like the same woman, even with different hair. And even though he did have several notable models throughout his career, it's just like, you know, and they call it a Rossetti red, you know, this is a Rossetti. And so women played a large role in his work. So he met his future wife and frequent model, Elizabeth Siddall in the 1840s, they married in 1860. And so that was funny when someone commented, you know, you make a beautiful Lizzie Siddall, even though this wasn't actually her. So it might seem like it's her because all of his females look the same. But at the time, this was actually another model named Alexa Wilding. And I found a photo of her. And it's interesting to me because they specifically know that this was her. So this was painted in 1872. And so while someone might say, you look like a beautiful Lizzie, it actually would have been Alexa Wilding, who was his model at the time. So he met 
Lizzie in the 40s married her in 1860 and she passed away in 1862. Maybe he kind of morphed all of his models around her. Who knows? I would have to look and see if I could find a photo of her. And she sadly died of a laudanum overdose. And so after her, he also had a model who was a woman named Jane Burden. And Jane was married to William Morris. He was an editor for a magazine and Rossetti contributed to it often. Even though Jane was married to William Morris, she was Rossetti's mistress and she was one of his models for a long time. She posed for some of his best known works. Again, you would say that is Jane, but to me, it looks like the same woman. You say, one is Jane, this one is Alexa. To me, they look like the same woman. And we'll have to see if our listeners agree or disagree. We had Lizzie, then we had Jane, and then he had a model named Fanny Cornforth, who was his also his model and mistress for about 10 years. And then he met Alexa Wilding in the mid-1860s. And so she posed for Veronica Veronese in 1872. And this painting is a companion painting to one of his other works called Lady Lilith and a similar view of a woman with red hair. And when I, I looked this up, I thought that might be a good one to recreate. So maybe I will be doing that down the road. This painting is kind of an allegory for creation. Basically, he wanted to capture creativity in progress. So what I had thought looked kind of like boredom is actually introspection. And so if you zoom out, the bird song is inspiring her to create music. So she's in deep thought, probably plucking the strings, thinking about composing a song inspired by the birds. So this is very much what we mean by like realism of the pre-Raphaelites, like bird song, nature, being inspired by the world around us. And so this dress she's wearing apparently belonged to Jane Morris, that woman who was his mistress but married to his friend. The violin allegedly was part of his collection of musical instruments. And we also know that the frame this was in had an inscription around the edge. And people believe he wrote it, but he attributed it to some other work attributed to the letters of Girolamo Rudolfi. I don't know what it is, but he, for some reason, he likely wrote it, but attributed it to this other work. And so this is the inscription. Suddenly leaning forward, the Lady Veronica rapidly wrote the first notes on the virgin page. Then she took the bow of the violin to make her dream reality. But before commencing to play the instrument hanging from her hand, she remained quiet for a few moments, listening to the inspiring bird while her left hand strayed over the marriage of the voices of nature and the soul, the dawn of a mystic creation. That just kind of emphasizes the idea. It's like the dawn of a mystic creation. It's like a moment of creation, listening to the inspiring bird. Like inspiration leads to creation. Originally, I just thought, and perhaps I was probably projecting for my years of being bored playing violin. No offense, Mr. Gregory or Mrs. Leaf, you happen to be listening. I really enjoyed orchestra, but you know, practicing was boring. Well, are you ready to be stumped? I am. Bring it. I'm being super unfair. (laughs) As you mentioned earlier, this painting is currently at the Delaware Art Museum. When was the Delaware Art Museum established? (laughs) Oh man, this is so tangential. Ha-ha! Um, all right, I'm just gonna give an educated guess. Um, 1960. 
1912. What? Oh, wow. I was way off. The museum was founded in 1912 as the Wilmington Society of Fine Arts. Oh, excellent. It uh, later changed its name to the Delaware Art Museum. Well, when did it change its name to the Delaware Art Museum? I haven't written, I haven't read that far. We could technically argue that it wasn't the Delaware Art Museum until it was oh, the Delaware Art oh Museum. Oh no, what did it become? <laughs> uh, wait, hold on. It looks like 38, maybe. Okay, well, we'll just say I was closer-ish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought 1960. I local local there. expert. <laughs> I haven't been there. Delaware has some really amazing cultural institutions. So I have thought it would be fun when I go places again to like post some like selfies of me with me oh, as me. Yes. Some of my portraits I've recreated. So I think that would be really cool. Yeah. It, it'd be an excuse to go to, I haven't, I've not been to the, I've been wanting to go back to museums. So maybe we could take this show on the road, so to speak. And yeah, do like a special episode where we revisit some of the ones that are within driving distance. Live from. Live from this, this museum. <laughs> if any museums want us to record a podcast in them, please reach out. <laughs> you never know oh but that's too much fun i'm 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 glad that you were a good sport about how how mean of a stump that was no it was a good one i'm 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 learning <laughs> some local I, history i gotta really try to make sure to to vary these things up Alrighty, so do we have a teaser for next week's episode yes so next week we are back to the yellow wig and we're still in pop art but we are meeting a different artist in the realm of pop art and this was just an intense expression to recreate oh that's exciting well this is fantastic so this will be our spiritual successor to the marilyn monroe wig yes so we will dive into that next week on the next episode of porch personas thank you emily thank you